Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Today we have a special guest back. Um, we have Dave Perez, uh, who, if you didn't see his episode uh, last year, go back and rewatch it. He tells us all about his story uh, as a, a um, New Jersey police officer uh, about 9-11. We go into all sorts of different cool details and around his experience with burnout and that. Um, so go back and watch that. He'll recap it just a little bit here. But today we're going to actually really talk about it as part of this season. We're just talking to police officers and first responders around burnout. And there's been a lot of, uh, you know, this is what, what, recording this is the 29th of January here in New Zealand, 28th in the U.S. And there's been a lot going on in 2022 already. And um, we were just talking about it. And if you're not specced up or you didn't hear, you know, two New York cops got uh, shot and the funeral was uh, yesterday or today. Yeah. Uh, today, it was today. So uh, Dave's got some emotions running from that and we we're just talking about that but there's also biggest amount of cops last year were shot um not killed uh suicides are through the roof so this is a real important topic i, I think so we're going to just talk about that today but dave just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background real quick uh just so that those that haven't listened to your other episode kind of have a general idea of who you are absolutely thanks for having me back number one i guess it means the first time went well so uh it's <laughs> good to go around too and uh, I am just excited to work with you and your um, your podcast and your mission to try to bring relief to officers around the world that are listening uh, to be able to support those um, that need it. I think we all need it. And, um, you know, it's just it's an important mission that you're all glad to be part of it. Uh, so I was a police officer for 20 years in East Windsor, New Jersey, which is the central part of New Jersey. As we do in New Jersey, everything's um, you know geographed by exit numbers. So I was exit eight on the turnpike um, for those that are familiar with the Northeast. And uh, I did 20 years there, 10 years in EMS as a volunteer before that. And now I am the Office of Emergency Management Coordinator for the town that I live in in Hopewell, New Jersey. So my burnout came uh, towards the end of my law enforcement career where, you know, I just, my heart wasn't, my, my heart was in it, but not in the way that it should be. Um, I wanted it to be in it, but um, I was uh, fighting the drive to go to work every day to get up in the morning. Um, I was starting to lose focus and I was more worried about those around me that I was supposed to be protecting, uh, you know, myself as well. But I, there's no way I could have lived with myself if my apathy at that time, you know, got somebody else hurt. So uh, it's kind of where I was, I, I, you know, did my 20 years, I uh, pulled the cord, the ejection handles, and uh, out I went, uh, got my pension and my health benefits to go with it. So uh, life is good. And now I own my own consulting business. But the, the heart of what I love to do is to help other people and help others find their purpose and their why, just like you do. Mm. And uh, in that process, I also find that I seek my own why. So it's, uh, I love it. And uh, I love what you're doing. I'm so happy to be part of your mission. That's awesome. Thanks, Dave. And thanks for the kind words as well. And, you know, so, so obviously you were telling me some stats last year. I'm not super specced up on the U.S. stats, uh, but you had, there was 346 cops you said were shot last year. Correct. Highest That's the number. highest ever. Highest yeah. ever. And 70 cops were killed of those three. Yeah. Of those. Correct. And then obviously the assaults on police and that through the roof and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, th that, those numbers don't include the hand-to-hand uh, -hand assaults, the knife assaults, vehicle assaults. I mean, those have all been up through the roof as well. Uh, last year, there were a total of 420-some-odd line-of-duty deaths. 
uh, in the United States. Wow. Obviously, a lot of them were due to COVID. Um, I think it was uh, about 300 of those were due to COVID. But uh, even when you take those numbers out, you have over 120 uh, line of duty deaths. It's you know the most ever recorded, um, other than 9/11, and uh, there was one other previous year when they first started keeping stats. Um, but the the amount of catastrophic loss in law enforcement across the country has been tough to watch and tough to deal with. Um, and then, of course, you had the suicides on top of that. Um, yeah. I think it, Blue Help has the uh, the, the actual numbers. I think it was 176 or 174 suicides uh, for 2021. And um, we're on pace to probably double that this year. There's already been over 20, is yeah, my understanding, for this year. Yes. Yeah, and uh, it's, um, it's, it's been a very tough January. So not only do you obviously have the families that are affected by those losses, uh, you have your blue family that looks at that from the outside in, so let's go back to work every day and deal with that pain. And just knowing the amount of um, just social pressures that are on law enforcement in this country and I think around the world at this point. And guys and girls don't want to go to work and do their job. They just want to go to work and be able to get home at the end of the day because that's kind of what it's come down to. And there's a, a lot of emotional pressure that's involved in that. So I guess with that, I mean, what are your thoughts on the fact of when you get to a stage where you just want to go to work just to come home and you're not actually there for the purpose? Again, we talk about purpose and why you're not there for your why, um, your true why. What do you feel that does to, to the officers? So that's a great question. Obviously, uh, morale for the agency and the individual, you know, that, that plummets. Um, and, you know, the, there's that old saying, uh, I think it comes from uh, a Navy SEAL quote uh, from the 70s, um, coming out of Vietnam, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Mm. And uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. And, you know, the when you find yourself in that place where, going to work is work itself. Um, it's, it's time to take a step back and reevaluate. Uh, for any of us that have been in the tactical world, you have the concept of the OODA loop, uh, which is, you know, observe, orient, um, advise and decide and assess and decide, sorry. And I think we have to bring that into our lives, not just a tactical scenario, because our lives as police officers are one big tactical scenario. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you need to take that that personal step back and, and go through that OODA loop on a regular basis and evaluate whether you're doing what what's right for you and um, getting a pension at the end of your 20 year career when you're four or five years in and you're already feeling burned out. You're probably not on, on, on the right track. Yeah. Uh, you need to get out of that lane and find a different one um, for your safety, the safety of the people around you and, and your own just your own well-being. Uh, it's, it's a tough spot to be in, but that doesn't mean, you know, that it isn't for you. Mm. So you can then get to that, that D and that decide and be like, you know what, I just need to step up, put on my big boy pants and, and get through this. Um, yeah. cause this really is where I belong. Um, so there's a, you know, in that conversation, which I think is interesting, there's a department, I, I want to say it's Indiana or Illinois, uh, a smaller agency 
that just instituted sabbaticals for their law enforcement officers, uh, which I think is such an awesome concept. Uh, so every five years, you earn, I think it's six months of sabbatical. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, you know, depending on your personal needs, I, I can see taking six months off every five years and regrouping. Is and that paid back. or unpaid? Uh, I believe it was, you know, that's a great question. You have to go back and find the article. Um, either way, I don't think it matters. No, I don't think it does either. Um, I, just, I know the pressure it'll put on some people if it's unpaid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know what, though? But we talk about that in resiliency. You know, financial resiliency is, you know, obviously part of your wheelhouse, but that is a big deal. And if you know that's coming and that's an opportunity you want to take. You can plan on it. You can plan, you for, can it. plan for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's I think the value of a law enforcement sabbatical is worth more than any money that it's going to cost you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. You know, I remember when I took my motorcycle trip, when I left, which could have just been a sabbatical if I decided I wanted to go back. Uh, but I took that time and everybody went far. I wish I could do that. Yeah. Now, if I, if I knew that was coming at my five year thing financially, everybody could plan for it and whether it just be going and getting a different job. So you're in a different world, you yeah. know, uh, it, it is, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a great thing that they're, that they're instituting in because that is, that is so, but also the, the department will know what's coming so they can plan for it as well. Exactly whereas, right. whereas at the moment you have cops just going, not nah, here's my papers. I'm done. I'm out of here. And, and making and that's happening all over the place. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, we'll get into what's going on at the moment, like in New York and that, uh, in a minute, but I want to just talk about, so, f you know, you got the morale stuff going on. You've got people not wanting to go into work, uh, because shit work is becoming work. Uh, instead yeah. of, instead of, a, I get to help people or whatever it is that you feel your why, uh, is what do you feel is the number one thing that they could do right now? You know, that you could work on. I have my ideas, which we'll talk about, which is what I coach people through. One, one or two things that they could do right now that would shift their thought process around work. Wow, that's a great question. Uh, I wish I had time to prepare for that one. The, uh, <laughs> Drop you in the spot. Uh, right you're you're uh, a cop. You know how to work on your feet. <laughs> so I would say the number one thing is to take that step back, take that breath, take that pause mm. um, and assess for yourself what, what's important to you in the moment. Mm. And then from that moment, build out to the half a day and from that half a day, build out to a full day and then, and then beyond. Um, because I believe that if you can't identify your purpose at any one given moment in time, you're going to always feel lost. And you know, I think we all go through that. And if, I mean, it, listen, it happened to me today. And, you know, like you said, we'll talk more about the NYPD thing, but uh, I'm watching this funeral and I felt lost. I felt disconnected. I felt angry. I, I felt every possible emotion you could come up with, every adjective. And, but I took a step back and I'm like, well, what is it that I can do right now to make a difference? And that's why we're all do this job is to make a difference. I don't care if it's law enforcement, EMS, fire, any first responder position. Our purpose is to make a difference, make somebody else's life better today. 
So I would take that step back and ask myself, what can I do right now to make somebody else's life better? And honestly, and without sounding cliche and, and cheesy, I knew that this was coming up in a few hours, our talk and our discussion together. And that honestly got me through the earlier part of the day where I was completely miserable and wanted to punch holes in the wall. Well, I'm glad because I was able I knew, to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. But I knew the effect and the reach that you have with these conversations that we would discuss this and that it could help somebody else. Mm. Mm. Um, oh, goosebumps again. <laughs> I've been getting so goosebumps a lot lately. It's, uh, it's quite good. Um, no, nah, that, that is so true. You know, as cops, and we talked about this in our last episode, as cops, we're so good at looking after everybody else. We're so good at evaluating situations. We, you know, we don't race into things. We don't, you know, bank robberies going on. We don't just race to, to the front door. You know, we set up cordons. We block things off. We get the people out and then we reassess what's going to happen. If you can take that and apply it to your life, you know, before you go to work. Okay, cool. What's one thing that I'm going to do today? You know, I didn't start this episode with it, but normally I say, take one thing out of this, get prepared to take one thing out of this episode. Uh, and so, um, for those listening, sorry, I failed you a little bit there, but that's okay. You got it now. Um, so, and if you've been listening long enough, you know, just take one thing out of this. Uh, but it is, it's evaluate that situation. You know, I, I believe, uh, from going through my journey and doing all the work that I've, that I've done, you know, I've, I think we've talked about, I've done a lot of Tony Robbins stuff and, and, um, uh, T Harvecker and, and lots of those big self-development type things. And the biggest thing is, is, and I'm going through one of Tony's things again right now is just change that state, change your focus, you know, yep. change your body language and that, you know, as cops, we can stand in that Superman pose a lot, but what's the focus of that pose? Is it to dominate or is it to bring assistance? Yeah, no, there's uh, I, I think actually think it's Tony Robbins. I have it written down somewhere. I, I thought I had it in front of me, but I don't. Um, I think it's Tony Robbins. It says you're only one thought away from changing your mind. Yep. Yep. I, th I think I have heard him say that before as well. Um, but it is you change that you change that wiring within yourself. And you can change everything. It changes the meanings of the bosses not caring about you. You know, I'm, I'm hearing that more and more. And it was the one thing that I heard all the time in the police. And I started to believe it. Instead yeah. of going, well, no, the bosses don't care about, it's not that the bosses don't care about me. The bosses have their own crap going on. The and their own agenda, do. quite frankly. Yeah. And they, they do. They, and, they... And, and we, but we all do, you know, right. even as a street cop, we have our own agenda. Some is to go out and have fun and smash heads together and just yeah. you know, take names, take names and, and, and go on. Some is to, and those guys normally are because they haven't found that purpose and that why really deep. That's exactly right. <laughs> And then you have the guys who I am here to make the biggest impact. And so they will spend that extra time at a domestic. They will spend that extra time with a victim of, of, of an assault or a, a rape or a, you know, a murder. They will spend that extra time and in a way kind of sometimes take it on, but it's, it's being able to have that badge there to kind of protect that as well. Uh, and there's tools around that, but it's, it is, it's all around that evaluating your state where you're at what's going on and when you and that adjust and that evolves over time yes. and yes. i think especially as uh you know the, the bashing head stage of your career we've all been there yep. um you hope that doesn't last as long for yourself as it does for some others and you know you, you see them not progressing through their careers but um it, time and experience changes those viewpoints yeah and uh you know when you see the effects time after time after time 
of a domestic violence victim, sometimes the same person. Mm. Um, it gives you that pause and it gives you that, like, wow, this wasn't a drunken phone call to the police that, you know, we have no business being at. This person really needs our help. Yeah. And right. you end up with enough of those experiences and then you, you be able to see them easier. I think I think that's a really good transition to kind of go, okay, you know, this is I feel this is where a lot of cops pre kind of the whole COVID thing and we won't go into that because it's so division and yeah, but when we think about just the job itself, you go to those jobs over and over and over again. You go to the same place over and over and over again. If you don't have that why and that purpose that is so deep seated and you're so focused on it, you live it, you eat it, you breathe it, you talk about it, you can get to that dark place as well. You compound everything else in, then you start to go, well, what's the point of me being here anyways? Absolutely. And again, it comes back to that state when you go into that job, it's going, okay, cool. Why am I here? What, you know, reiterating it to yourself, you know, Tony talks about incantations a lot and it's so true. I just went for a run yesterday and popped them back out, popped the incantations back out. And I must've looked like an absolute lunatic because (laughs) I was yelling as I was going down the road because last year, as, as, as you know, Dave, I started doing financial advising and I've just resigned from that. Because I realized, again, it's not serving my why, my purpose to the level. So, again, we go it's, into what we talked about so before. It's so you shocking gotta, to me. It's you got to so evaluate. Shocking. I know. I was passionate about it, too. But you got it. I mean, passion, it's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have to evaluate as well. You know, again, we oh, talked about evaluate. You got to evaluate. And I evaluated my life over New Year's Christmas break. And I went and we had a big lockdown here and that. And things were going on. And I evaluated. And I went, no, I'm not making the impact I know I am here to do through my why of creating less pain. I'm here to do this, what we're doing yeah. right now. So it's evaluating that. And as cops, I think we, we do, we lose that because we lose that why because of all the other distractions. And agreed. And it's, you know, and so we go to those domestics over and over again. Our officers that are next to us are getting shot, getting beat up, getting reprimanded for trying to do the job and it just keeps concreting in and we lose that why more and more and more until we don't even know where the hell it is. Yeah. Um, and you know what, I don't like bringing politics into these discussions because I don't think it belongs in policing in any way, shape or form. Um, but we, at least in the United States, we've come to a place where that, that question of why am I doing this is associated with what are we enforcing or why are we not enforcing certain other things? Mm-hmm. And politics has gotten so deep into so rooted into what our daily jobs that that passion for doing what our heart tells us to do and helping people becomes more and more difficult every day. And um, I think that really, you know, and, and that can go either way, depending on what your personal beliefs are. But they, they've really handcuffed the police in doing their job um, to the point where you really do question, is this, am I being effective here? Mm-hmm. And if I am a type of person that wants to go out and help people, is this the right lane for me to be in to do that? Because I, I don't know that policing is, is there right now. And that mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to even say that because I believe in it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't believe in the way that we're doing it right now. 
I, I think there's a couple things there. There's one event, again, comes back to what you said. And I think it's such a key point. Evaluate. Evaluate what's going on and evaluate, is this what I want to keep doing? And just like I just did with financial advising, I evaluated and I went, wait a second, this isn't sparking me. Um, like I believed it would once I started doing that, the deep doing. Uh, so evaluate. But if you're already in it and you know that it is deep-seated and there's just external things that are going on, I the other th- top thing that, that popped into me when I was there was, we're very good at working on our feet as police officers. And if you're a civilian listening to this, you're very good at it as well. Humans are just naturally good at evolving. Yep. The political side is there. And to be honest, it's probably always been there. Just we're seeing it a lot more, but we evolve. So uh, this is where I say, I kind of don't agree a little bit with you there, Dave, because we get stuck and as officers we get stuck because it's like this is the law this is what we do this is it and i was talking to the guy that i interviewed you know last week's episode uh he was talking a little bit about that but a little bit about you know just take it off the books then if you don't want us to do this traffic stop just get rid of it so it's not there so we don't focus on it but they're never going to do that because whatever reason or they might eventually and then cool but it's taking your why and applying okay shifting the purpose the the meaning of of how it's applied okay cool the bosses don't want me to go do patrol anymore they want me to you know as we talked about in the episode last week with with um with um the uh, the the police officer from seattle is okay cool they don't want me to go out for a while there in seattle they were literally like he referred to it like firefighters they just would go out to a job respond come back he's like well okay cool well when i'm going out and i'm doing that job I literally do what I have to do there. Then I come back, just shift, shift and, yeah. and mold. So I think as, as officers, one of the big things with, you know, the burnout conversation is if you learn to shift and mold that, so apply your why in the situation that you have control over, because if we have control over it, cool, we can do something with it. If we have no control over it. Stop focusing on it. Yeah, no, I, that, I agree with you hundred percent. And, uh, it's also easier said than done. Oh, it's very um, easier said than done. And this is where, and this is where, this is where, this is where I feel like what I do is, and even what you do is so important. Having these conversations, you know, so it sure. brings it back because we get so lost because the culture is the bitch about stuff. Hundred percent. And you know, when you ask a question to your boss, like, why do we do that? What's ninety nine percent of the answer? So that's why we've always done it. Yeah. And to then, so that's how you get programmed and then to switch into the mode of, all right, I'll just do whatever it is you want me to do, even though I don't agree with you. And it's not the way we've always done it. Um, it, It's whether you agree with that switch or not, it's a, it's just a complete rewiring. It's a rewiring rewiring of the brain. And so, and this is where I feel that this is the number one thing that I tell my police recruits that I'm helping get into the police is know your why yeah. get stuck so hard into your why that your life drives from it. Because I know hand on heart, if I had found that when I, and at a deep level, not a, I want to help people. I want to help people shit, go to the local community club and go help people go to the homeless shelter and give some yep. food out. You're helping people. Absolutely. The deep level minds. I want to create less pain in myself and others to create the best version of ourselves. That's my why statement. And so if I had had that when I was in the police and I stayed focused on it and I had somebody or, and I had somebody who was like constantly like, Chris, what's your why? 
Is that serving your why, Chris? Is, you know, what's going on? Why, why have you shifted away from it? You would constantly bring back to shit. Okay, cool. The bosses are changing shit. Yeah, they don't. They want me to go patrol this area when I know all the crimes over in this area. They don't want me to go do traffic stops because whatever, blah blah. Go. Okay, cool. I'm not allowed to do traffic stops. What am I going to do instead? Right. To serve that why, and just constantly because then you're serving from an internal place. Hundred percent agree with you. Instead of an external, I've got to please all these people. The only person that we can please is ourselves, isn't it? Agreed. And uh, I think we're then in that construct, um, when you're getting these uh, directives or instructions to to do certain things that are no longer within your lane of your why, Mm. um, I think that's where the morale struggles. I think that's where people are then bailing out and finding other ways to fulfill their why. And uh, Totally amazing. It's... um, if we want to keep cops on the street doing the job and serving the communities, I think we have to tap into why they are there in the first place, rather than some political construct that serves a special interest group. And um, we have to, nobody gets into this job to make money. Number one, because there really isn't that much. Nobody gets into this job because, you know, they think the uniform's cool and they like the, the colors of it and they wear, enjoy polyester in the summertime. Um, people truly get into it because it's a sense of belonging. It's a sense of commitment to something greater than yourself. It's a sense of, I know you don't like the phrase, but helping people in a way that is a different level. Um, and, and I think it's that different level that really drives what law enforcement officers do. And I just don't think that anybody else other than, you know, certain military folks get that. Yeah. Uh, certainly not politicians that came out of Harvard Law School don't get that. No, but if we go, if we go, okay, cool. Who do we have control over, Dave? It's got to be us, yeah. our individual selves. So we have no control over the politicians or the political influence that is coming and flowing down into our frontline, you know, grunt work as such. Uh, as a patrol officer can also be yeah. called as a grunt worker. Um, don't like to call them that, but if we're hey, honest, is, if we're honest. Here. We're doing the hard work, you know, (laughs) Um, but if you want to, you know, I remember when I left the police and my wife, um, she goes to me, like I was in that thing of, I needed to hand my papers in, you know, the hardest day that you probably have as a police officer after a year, after two years, after 20 years, years, doesn't matter. It's the same exact thing. And I'd had 18 months off on leave without pay and I had to hand in my papers and it was a decision of, do I hand them in or do I go back? And I'm sitting there with my wife, bawling my eyes out. Yes, I bawl my eyes out. I am a strong man, but I bawl my eyes out. Me too. It makes me stronger. (laughs) Uh, And I'm sitting there and she goes, well, Chris, you got two options. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you want to make an impact to police force, don't you? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, okay, cool. Which one is you got to either go back or you have stay out and make an impact. One of the two ways. I was like, okay, yeah. And she goes, well, which way is going to be? which way are you going to make more of an impact? I was like, probably out. She's like, then why do you want to go back? Like, oh, because of the troops, the guys that all the fun things, all the, you know, all the people, all the, all the things that every cop uses. And she goes, okay, well then if you want to do that, then where are you going to make the biggest impact? If you go back in, I was like, well, at the top. And she's like, well, will you still be able to make the impact that you want to make? I was like, "Eh, maybe. And she's like, well, okay, you got two decisions. Either you go back with a purpose to get into the top, and you do that long yard and you do that fight and you do a, the yeah. ups and downs for that. Or you go from the outside and be able to make your own way. 
be able to do it how you want to do it. And I was like, okay. And so going through that evaluation, we come back to the evaluate section again, is going through the evaluation, what is best for you? That might be needing yeah. to walk. I will you know, say yeah. you married up. <laughs> She's an extremely smart woman. Um, I definitely am very, very privileged to, to have her. And, you know, and she's gotten me to where I am as well. But it's also uh, the reason I wanted to say that is we've got to evaluate. We have no control over anybody else but ourselves. Correct. So we have to make the decision. Are we going to let the influence of the politicians and all their decisions affect who we are as a person? Or are we right. going to go, I'm done? You know, or are we going to work through it and go, Hey, I am here for me. I can't control anything else. Let's just move. Yeah. And quite frankly, the, uh, the work that you're doing, the, the work that, um, I try to involve, involve myself with and the people that I surround myself by, I think that's where we make that impact. I think that's where we make that change. I think that's where we're able to help others do the work internally that we wish we could have done at that time. And, uh, you know, I, I look back and, and I think, wow, like if I knew then what I knew now, you know, <laughs> like where, where would I be? Yeah. And, uh, you know, who would I be and, and what would I be? Um, but, you know, I, I do believe that we create our paths for whatever reasons that they, that we do. And um, I also can't imagine myself not being available at this point in time to be helping others in this capacity yeah so it's uh it's such a weird dichotomy it's, of, it's so funny people ask me all the time do you wish that you didn't be do you wish that you had never joined the police and i go no and they go but all the stuff that happened to you i was like no it happened for me my friend yeah i would exactly. not be here talking to you dave i would not have this podcast i would not be influencing thousands of people around the world exactly. if i had not been a cop hit rock bottom and was the phoenix that came out of the ashes again Correct. A few times <laughs> because we're constantly reevaluating, you know, reevaluating ourselves. So, Dave, I'm going to shift here, and we're going to go. We're going to go into what's happened today. And I know for you being on the outside, it's affected you a lot. It's affected the identity of who you used to be. Uh, I know when uh, we had an officer shot here, we don't have very many, thank God. Um, when we had an officer and his partner who wasn't killed um, was a fr- was a friend of mine, uh, is a friend of mine. Uh, it hits you at a deep level, but I know the guys that are on the street, it hits even deeper. So yeah, I want to sure. know, Dave, how, how have you worked through this time of these two NYPD cops, which I'm sure you know, you'll know of, or you'll know people that know them. How have you worked so, through it? Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot. And, you know, for those that have not been up to date on the local news here in uh, the New York area, we had two uh, NYPD officers uh, shot last week, both have since passed. Uh, one was immediate and the other one was a few days later uh, when his family decided to harvest his organs for donation. Good on that. Uh, which is like the last gift you can give, which I think yeah. is so amazing to to be able to to push that forward and pay it forward to the next person. But uh, so the, the funeral of the first officer was today. Uh, I took a pause today to watch it. Um, it was weird to watch it on TV and not be there standing to Schultz, uh, standing shoulder to shoulder, patch to patch with, you know, the tens of thousands of cops that were there. It's a literal number. Um, the, for those that are familiar with New York city, fifth Avenue was about 25 to 30 
rows deep of police officers for over a mile in either direction from St. Patrick's Cathedral. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just a massive, massive... That's bringing people together. You're not kidding. (laughs) Uh, And and those officers were not just NYPD. They were from Nassau and Suffolk County out of Long Island. They were from all over New Jersey. Uh, Quite frankly, here in the United States, JetBlue, the airline, um, will transport a police officer free anywhere in the country as long as they're going to a funeral to pay respects. Um, And they have... It is amazing. And... So JetBlue paints their uh, airplanes in various different themes, um, and they have an NYPD-themed uh, painted helicopter. Uh, sorry, uh, airplane, and um, they fly that all around the country, picking up police officers to come back to the funeral. Wow, that's cool. So, that's cool. Yep, yeah, it's pretty special. So I uh, watched that today, um, which is you know anytime that somebody passes is emotional. Uh, these ceremonial funerals are even more emotional. And then you put that in the context of St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, with, you know, and I'm not Christian or Catholic, I'm Jewish actually. And so I don't have the religious attachment to uh, the, the, the ceremony and, and the location, but that place is it's like any other basilica around the country, around the world, rather. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and you have Cardinal Dolan sitting up there with uh, you know, the police commissioner, the mayor of New York City. Uh, which both are new at this point in time. I think they both have 26 days or 28 days on the job, something like that. Uh, and the family and then the Blue family, of course. Uh, the eulogies from the mayor, the police commissioner, the uh, officer's brother, and then his wife. Uh, I, I don't know how they did it. Um, all four of them were unbelievable. Um, and for those that don't know, the current mayor of New York City is a retired police captain from NYPD, uh, the first police officer from NYPD to ever become a mayor. Um, and the police commissioner is uh, the retired chief of police from, I believe, Suffolk County. Um, so it's, uh, it, it was an emotional, emotional um, experience. And then me personally watching them, literally bawling my eyes out through this whole thing, um, you never lose that attachment. And it was interesting that the mayor actually said that in his uh, eulogy, that while he is currently a politician and he's currently the mayor of New York City, in his heart, he will always be a police officer. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that no matter whether you did one day, one year, a hundred years on the job, that connection you have with your brothers and sisters that stood by you during that time is not something that you will ever lose. And the emotions when you do lose one of them is beyond what is um, processable in the moment. I don't know if that's the word, but um, processable in the moment. And uh, I literally just lost it. I'm sitting here at my desk watching this on my computer and just bawling my eyes out. And my wife comes in, she's like, what's wrong with you? Um, oh my God, I just I can't, I can't pull it together. So um, it we here where I live and where I work were about 35, 40 miles southwest of New York City. Um, so it's, I, well, I don't know those two officers. They were kids. They were 22 years old, kids. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, one was the, the one that was buried today was married in October. Um, we're talking about kids here. And uh, his whole journey for his short 22 years was to be a police officer for NYPD. He was personally an immigrant. He was brought here by his parents at a a very young age. I I think he's from the Dominican Republic, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, all he wanted to do was serve his community and make it better. 
he grew up in a tough neighborhood, apparently, and it was his goal to come back to that neighborhood as a cop and do good. Uh, that was his why. Yeah. And uh, what a tough, tough and emotional place to be in. But I'll tell you, knowing, and I said this before, knowing that we had this conversation slated for today, um, knowing that we could talk about this and get this message out to other people that will be listening to it is what pulls you through because I knew I'd be helping somebody else. So in that moment when I felt helpless, hopeless, um, alone, disconnected, because I'm not there, I'm not part of that anymore um, on a day-to-day basis, you do bring it back to your own center. Like, well, how can I take this moment and feed it into what is purposeful for me? And knowing that we were going to have this conversation was purposeful. Um, And this conversation is purposeful. So like, that's what draws you back in. And uh, yeah, it's a tough set of emotions and that roller coaster. We'll go on it for the rest of our lives. I don't think you ever lose that connection when you see a brother or sister in uniform that, you know, paid that price, that ultimate sacrifice for serving their community. Like, there's yes. no, I don't think there's much more that's powerful than that. No, there isn't. And, you know, the sad, the sad thing, you know, the, the, the great thing and sad thing all at the same time is it brings so many uh, officers together. It doesn't matter what's going on. Agreed. It brings them all together. The sad thing is that sometimes it takes us, takes that to remind us. Um, Agreed. What's your thoughts on for those officers that are still in that have seen that they've seen the numbers and the stats for last year. I've seen everything that's going on the political side of that. What would you say to them after this funeral and after going through it? What would you say to them to, so that they get through it so they don't get disheartened of, uh, I don't, yeah, you know, start to go down that negative downhill spiral. Yep. It's honestly, it's my, my basic tagline. Like you uh, were able to recite your, your why statement. This is, my basic tagline, it's on the bottom of every email signature I've ever written. Earn your badge every day. Just mm. earn your badge every day. Uh, go out, go do your job. Do it as prescribed. Don't take shortcuts. And be able to look at yourself in the mirror every night when you get home or every morning when you get home if you're a night shift guy. Uh, just earn your badge every day and honor the memories of those that came before you that put it all out there and sacrifice themselves. Um, you know, it's, it, it's crazy to think that um, we've come to the point where, where we have to even say that out loud. And that's not just innate in what we're doing every day. But I think the whole idea of earning your badge every day, be, take pride in your work. Um, take pride in yourself. You, yeah, absolutely. I think I think I think that's the that's that's a big that's a big thing to remember and uh, just off the back of that as we kind of wrap up uh, is it's so important you know I'm I'm running a, a program now that's called Productive AF or Productive as Fuck and no. I feel the reason that I've named it that and the reason that I'm I'm doing it is because I feel like not just officers but people in general have lost that productivity not within not externally, like everybody thinks productivity is everything that I do. It's actually what I do internally. Where do I drive from inside? Absolutely. And if we can stay on point with that, uh, you know, especially off the back of what you were saying, it's so important to reevaluate yourself to earn that badge every day. If you're a civilian, earn your badge, earn your honor. You know, I have honor and family tattooed on my arm. It was my very first tattoo. And it came to me one time, I was like, I live by honor and I live by family. 
Absolutely. Because it is, it's earning that every single day. And, and yeah, with everything that's going on in the world right now, I think that's the, one of the most important things and, you know, to, to, to stay and earn that, earn that badge and know why and, and drive from that every day and don't let the external crap flow, you know, yes, it'll flow in, but let it flow out. And that's how you stay productive within yourself. So then you're there for other people more. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because the, um, the Navy SEALs, which I respect those guys more than almost anything or anyone ever uh, for what they go through and what they do and the way they serve. Uh, and they, they're issued a trident at the end of their training that they wear on their uniforms with such a level of pride that is almost unimaginable. And that trident they keep with them for the rest of their lives, even upon their retirement from the Navy. And um, it doesn't matter at what point in their life, in theory, um, if they make a mistake, you know, 20 years after separation from the Navy and they do something to hurt somebody else uh, with intent, um, they can lose that trident. Mm. The Navy will take that trident back from them ceremonially. Um, and I, I reflect on that often. And that's where I kind of get the earn your badge statement from, because I think throughout our careers and even into retirement, we need to live that ethos mm. because that's who we are. That's, that's where our heart is. And if you can go through that every day to do something every day to earn your badge, earn your right to be here, earn your right to walk this earth, then we'd all be in a much better place. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And it would remove all the external pressures and the external, oh, what about, you know, oh, you, you know, the, the boss doesn't get me, the politicians, yeah. we're all being driven by this and we're driven by that. Well, actually I'm being driven, I'm being driven from something internally, not externally. Yep. Absolutely. That's amazing, Deb. I love having conversations with you, man. These things are, these things are amazing. And for you those- inspire that, me. You inspire all these good thoughts in me. <laughs> nah, man, you, you've got them there. I'm, I'm glad that I can help out with them. I'm glad that you, you've got some, you've got some deep nuggets there, Dave. And it's, it's, it's always, it always brings things up back up for me. Uh, and remember guys, whoever's listening, take one thing out of this, you know, take one thing out of this conversation. The one thing that's picked that I've picked up out of this quite heavily, which I do quite often, but I didn't have it in a word was evaluate using the ethos of what we stand for, what we do. We, you know, we, we don't just dive straight into things. We take a second, we evaluate, and then we move on and we, we, we then take the next step. So, um, take one thing out of this conversation. Um, last question I have for you, Dave, which I've asked you about it before, but we'll ask it now with everything that's going on in the world and with you today, what's your top tip to self-happiness? Uh, top tip to self-happiness. Um, Surround yourself by the people that love you the most, mm. uh, whether it be a spouse, whether it be your children, uh, whether it be your parents, just surround yourself with the people that love you the most, because sometimes it's hard to love ourselves. Mm. And uh, I think when we can see that others care for us in a way that we wish we could care for ourselves, it gives us that drive to be able to, to push a little harder. And actually be able to care for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it, Dave. Well, any last words before we wrap up? No, you know, I, I just I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come with you on round two. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, somewhere down the road, we'll have a round three. Oh, and wow. um, conversations with you, my friend, are always awesome. And thank you again for all that you're doing to 
to support the cause and to, to motivate people and to coach people into making good choices and decisions. Cause I think, uh, when we're in good places, we can help others be in good places. So, uh, if we can continue pushing that forward, uh, you know, life will be better for everybody. So, uh, thank you for the work that you do. Thanks, man. I appreciate, I appreciate it. And yeah, if we, um, if we're in a good place, then we can put other, help others get to a good place as well. We can only, as we've said multiple times today, you can it's the definition of leadership, right? Pulling people up instead yep. of pushing people down. Yep. So. You can you can only change yourself. Uh, and by changing yourself, you inspire others to change themselves. Um, 100%. But you can't force them to, to change. Uh, so no, I love that, Dave. And we will have a round three. Uh, for those that are listening still, uh, the plan is at the end of this season is to get a whole bunch of uh, the interviewees um, all together and we have a bit of a panel discussion. Oh, I think it was you that posted that up in, in a comment when I posted up on LinkedIn asking for first responders. And I was like, yes, that is that is inspirational. So um, thank you, Dave, for that one. Anyways, this is a this is a wrap up. So remember, take one thing out of this episode. If you feel like you didn't get one thing, go back and listen to it again, because I can guarantee there's multiple things in there. I do a lot of work. We both Dave and I both do a lot of work on ourselves and we both would have got something out of this. I know I did. Um, so remember that now if you are struggling and you're like chris i need help chris i need to talk to somebody reach out to dave um or reach out to myself and i can put you in touch with dave uh but otherwise we do run programs that help people through this they help we help them find their productivity we help them find their why we help them find their drive again their passion their love their excitement and it flows into all areas of life and to find that you literally just need to go book yourself a call with me it will be with me uh, and it's just at um, www.createfromwhy.com. Nice and simple. Uh, or alternatively, email us at team at createfromwhy.com. Uh, and we'll really, we'll really get you get you shifting, get you back on track. Uh, it's not that you've lost yourself. It's just that you've gone off-road a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, until uh, next time, we love you all. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for the, the next the next journey. And, Dave, you keep doing amazing things. It's awesome. And, um, yeah, we'll talk real soon. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon.